Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is a gambler's gambler. Poker, sports, gin rummy, golf. If you look up Pro Gambler in a dictionary, this man's face is in it. He has excelled at all these and much more. Please welcome the legend himself, Billy Baxter. Billy, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for asking. So, Billy, um, you, you know, if, if we went over your whole career, this is going to be a lot more than the hour I asked you to give me. So um, we can't go over everything, but I want to focus more on sports betting for the most part. So how did you get started in sports betting? Were you a bookmaker first? Well, yeah, I was. I got in a little trouble with that, so I went to the other side. I started betting and uh, playing. That's how I got into poker, too. I Through the sports betting, you know, you just – I was – looking for something else to do. And, uh, between the two, I found managed to fill up most of my time. Now, back then with bookmaking, how was it back then? Did you, you know, was there a lot of short plays? Did you take everybody on? Did you ever chase anybody? How was bookmaking back when you, you know, when you were doing it? Well, you know, to tell you the truth, when I came to Vegas in 75, you could bet, you could bet more on a ball game then than you can now. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's the, it's kind of a joke uh, what's happened to it. Uh, you know, they just scared to death of taking a bet. And uh, they did, you know, they if you're a casino customer, you can bet. That's what it amounts to. Nobody takes a bet anymore these days. Well, I mean, there's places that take them, but, I mean, it's not like, I mean, a good example would be when the Mirage was first there. I mean, when Jimmy Vaccaro was there running it, he had the authority. They were taking 50,000 on college football games, you know, in the seventies. I mean, it was just like nothing. Now to get 50,000 on a college football game, you know, it's, it's, they need a, a, your, your, your kidney, a left testicle, a blood sample, you know, it's impossible. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. It's like, uh, it's just, uh, they, they don't, they don't realize what they have is what it amounts to. They've got a business that's, a gold mine, but they really don't know because they, you know, they got scared off a few years ago with the Billy Walters situation and all, and they they're not even sure they can win. That's how unknowledgeable they are. You know, when you say that, that's very interesting, Billy, because a lot of people don't understand the power of, uh, you know, 11 to 10. That minus 110 is so damn powerful, and a lot of bookmakers fear that, um, or fear that it's not enough. Um, what, what advice would you give to bookmakers coming up in this day and age, thinking that 11 to 10 is just not enough? Well, I'll tell you this, the truth of the matter is the players are a lot sharper now than they used to be. They really are. And unless you're willing, these guys that have these websites and think they can go to golf course every day and come back and then collect the money on Monday. I think those days are over. I think they get their heads cut off. And, uh, you know, like just a lot of these sports, just uh, hard to book now. You look like the NBA, it ain't worth two cents anymore. I mean, the players tell the coaches when they're going to play, when they're not going to play. There was a game last year they laid two on, took 11 and a half. It fell 11. I mean, I think it was uh, the guy from Milwaukee was out or something. It was about seven, eight points. And uh, stuff like that. Who wants, who wants to book that? It's really a joke. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, 
They can, other than the NBA playoffs, they can throw the NBA in the garbage for as I'm saying. It ain't nothing. It's like, it's like closest thing to wrestling I ever saw. So the NBA, you think for the sports better, the professional sports better, the sharp sports better is beatable. But how about NFL, college football, college basketball? Would you know? How about that? Is do you think that in today's day and age is very beatable? I think the college football and the uh, pro football obviously are very bookable. But uh, you know, you got to be on your toes. You can't be uh, out at the golf course all day every day. I don't think. Not if you like money, anyway. <laughs> now, how about college basketball, Billy? Because college basketball back in the day, that, you know, there's so many, so many games, and as a bookmaker to keep up with that, that must be tough. You know, for us, at least for me, um, betting college basketball—that's my bread and butter. Um, how do you feel about booking college basketball, even compared to the NBA? Is it harder, easier, or about the same? Well, you know, it's it's what makes it a little different now is the corona. The, the hidden element is coronavirus. You just don't know when guys, two or three guys are going to sit out and whatever and all. So it makes it harder to book, you know, because the players find out. And uh, you're going to always get hit with it. That's what it amounts to. So, you know, it's it's tough. I actually think, you know, uh, other than pro football and uh, and the baseball and all, until, until this thing gets completely under control, some of the sports aren't worth messing with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, l- 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 back then um, when you were booking, um, the sharp players, there were so many of them. I know you say there's a lot more today. Um, how how were sharps treated back then? You know, I know you said they would get big limits and stuff, but did, did you ever chase people? Did you ever or did you kind of use their information to your advantage? How was it like? That's the way it, way it should be if you know what you're doing. You don't. When you chase players, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. A lot of people do it. They got a guy wins. Well, all they do is they just, you get rid of that guy. He goes and gets one of your good players that you were beating, turns him into a beard. Now you don't even know what you're getting hit with. So you you're not you lose your good player, and uh, you got the same stuff. So to me, any of these bookers that run people off, they're just stupid, don't know what they're doing. You know, that's what it amounts to. That's a great point. It's better to know the devil you. It's better to deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't know. Absolutely, um, like they say. So, so how back then? Like, let's just say you had a sharp guy lay you five. What as a bookmaker would you just move the number, or what would you do? Would you ever lay off? Would you ever try to bet bet more for yourself? What was it like back then when you'd be able to take on the sharp action? Well, I mean, it's like everything else. Either you. It's, I always say you can either hoe or plow. In other words, you, decides, you have to decide what you want to be. You want to be a better or you want to be a bookmaker? And the uh, best thing to do is uh, you have to decide. If you want to be a better, be a better. If you want to be a bookie, you have to be a bookie. You can't uh, – it's not much in between, I don't think, although some people do it successfully doing both things. So when you say you could hoe or plow – um, uh, you know, a lot of the bookmakers, the, the some of the best bookmakers I ever played with were some of the betting bookmakers. Um, you know, the guys like Delmar. I'm pretty sure you know the Delmar boys out of Arkansas um, back then. Um, how, how you know is there an advantage to being a betting bookmaker? I think so. You uh, you're kind of more in the loop of what's going on, and uh, you you use that in your business to try to influence people to the side you want them on. Gotcha. 
is, you know, comp- back then, who were the most talented bookmakers? You mentioned Jimmy Vaccaro, who was a legend. What other bookmakers stood out in your mind as the guys that took a bet and that gave the player a fair limit? Well, the, be- the best all did. They were uh, Bob Martin <laughs> and uh, Maurice Dodson were probably the two, two of the best back in the day. Uh, both of them were in Vegas. And uh, Bob put the line out on Sunday night. He was very talented, and uh, Maurice was a close second. So uh, they were both very good. Beautiful. So back when you were booking, Billy, um, you know, the mob had a huge, you know, was a huge part of the whole Vegas landscape. Um, how was it dealing with that, you know, that with that element when, when you were a bookmaker? Did they, you know, was there ever shakedowns involved? Did anybody try to get a piece of you? Well, I, uh, I managed to avoid all that. It was just, uh, I, I learned very early in life. That was a bad situation to get in. And I had a little help to stay out of that. I just made a point to stay away from that. That's good. Is, um, did you, you know, I know you have so many friends, um, in the business that a lot of friends help you get out of that or. Well, well, back in the day, uh, Benny Binion was around here and we were pretty friendly and, uh, so he, he was a good friend to have. Absolutely. Billy, when, with respect to, um, you know, as a poker player and as any professional gambler, um, finding whales is probably one of the hardest things to do. It's, 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 it's a big thing. Um, how is the rich sucker pool today compared to when you were first coming up? Well, I think there's obviously a lot more people that have more money. In fact, Money today is quite a guy that was wealthy back in the seventies had five or ten million dollars, and and that was a lot. Nowadays, these guys make two hundred million on a deal. Yeah. So you know, money is just different than what it used to be. In other words, like a guy that would have been considered rich uh, in the seventies, he, he's a broke running around broke busted now. He's like he's I got seven, eight, ten million. He can't hardly pay the rent. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and 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 but uh, whether and a lot of these rich guys, when it comes to soccer. Like, let's just say if you played a heads up poker game, there was a lot of people back then. There was a lot more of a pool of guys that would wanna that would that wouldn't would be okay with losing money to someone like you. Like you know, if if you ever wanted to play me cards, I would I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say no, thank you. I would just run away from you. You know what I mean? I don't, I want nothing to do with it. How is it is it easier today? You think to try to find that sucker to play? Are there are, are they? I know there's a lot more rich people, like you said, but are rich suckers more prevalent to be able to play like a heads up game or to find a big poker game? For poker, there's more of it because I found out something about rich people. They get bored with their lives. That's where the poker boom came in was a lot of guys went out to Silicon Valley and all made two or three hundred million. And young guys, they were they were bored with their lives. Like they had all this money and it just wasn't exciting. And they saw that's how they had the poker boom. They saw all these young kids playing poker on TV for money and all. And these guys make two or 300 million. Obviously they're pretty smart. They said, well, you know, them guys don't, I know they can't be smarter than me. I done made all this money. So a lot of very wealthy people came into poker uh, and quit their jobs. They just want to be poker players and, and uh, be around and get on TV and whatever. And that's what 
made the poker beam boom come along. And uh, there's more poker players today than there's ever been. Rich ones, too. And bad ones. Well, there's a lot of that, too. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, Billy, when it comes to, when it, when, with your career, a lot of top gamblers, um, you know, before they've made it in their life, they've gone broke several, many times. Um, you have the distinguished thing of, of never going broke. Um, was that by luck or design? Well, you know, to be to survive in gambling, you must always keep a bankroll. And I learned early on that you just, uh, you know, it's like you lose your money, you lose your tools. And so I became very disciplined very early in life. And I had some good teachers that I was around. And uh, I got some good advice at the beginning. And uh, one of the few, I slipped through the cracks and was able to stay, stay alive, so to speak, all those years. You know, when you say you had some of these teachers, because a lot of guys, they'll put every single penny that, you know, that they have on the table or in action. They always just want to be in action. How did you stop yourself from doing that? Like, how, you know, when, you, when it comes to discipline, because this is this is, I think, the biggest downfall of any gambler or even aspiring pro gambler's career is that they just put their whole selves in action and they could eventually go busto. You know, what is it that, that was able to detach you from saying, listen, I can't put it all in action. I still want to have the best of it. I still have the edge, but I still got to make sure that I could fight tomorrow. How do you balance that? Because I think that's a very key thing that somebody with your expertise can kind of help. Um, and I'd love to hear it um, on, on how you feel about that. Well, that's very true. I remember I lived in Georgia mm -hmm. and uh of course, I got in trouble down there, and that's the reason I moved to Vegas. And I decided when I came out here, I didn't know how I would fare in Las Vegas, so to speak. I knew I was a pretty good little card player, but can I beat people that are supposed to be the best in the world? And uh, so when I came out, I told myself two things. Number one, I says, well, I'm going to let you move to Vegas. but And I like to shoot dice and stuff like that. I says, but I'm telling you right now, if I catch you in the pit or out shooting dice or something with your bankroll money, I'm going to send you home. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm setting the rules. Yes. So I made rules for myself to not just throw off my money at things because those leaks is where you go broke. You got to look, you've got those bad leaks and then you go broke. So uh, I was pretty disciplined, and I, I'm, I'm sure that's the reason I survived all those years. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of guys like Stu Unger comes to mind where Stu was, you know, was was very smart, one of the most smartest guys that ever went to, that ever became a gambler. But when it comes to actually being a pro gambler, he's gone busto. So so how do you know, how does, how does you, you kind of differentiate yourself from those guys? Because there's so many like Stewie, and, and I don't want to say anything bad about Stewie, but I'm just saying so many guys that have just gone broke, you're in the minority, Billy. Like, you know, you just set rules for yourself. How do you stick to those rules, and how do you make sure, you know, as a gambler, you kind of take the gambling out of gamble, uh, the gamble out of gambling, I should say? Well, once again, it goes back to whenever you make any bet or play any poker game or whatever gambling endeavor you go into, you, you first off, you need to be good at what you're doing. And second, you have to know when you really have the best of it and when you don't. 
you got to be able to evaluate situations and decide, you know, this is a good game or it's a bad game or it's okay or whatever. And all those things determine how much you're willing to gamble for and lose. And uh, sometimes you're not going to be right all the time. But the main thing is that you you have parameters by which you can either win or lose so much, and that's it. You know, you can't put yourself out of business because you get stuck and uh, steaming, so to speak. So, th- was, you know, can you describe a time in which – um, you were at a table or you were betting or something and you kind of reached your loss limit, I guess, for, you know, and where you said, listen, if I keep playing this game, um, I- I'm going to be steaming. I might make the wrong decisions. You know, were there, were there times which you just had, you just knew when to get up and walk and take a break? Well, you know, i tell you the honest truth. I never had to do that too much. I just seemed to <laughs> fell through the crowd. I was always in good games and all. And, uh, I always gambled not so much how I stood, winner or loser. I gambled as long as the game was good. In other words, I, I played the game while the game was good, not based on whether I was winning or losing. And when the game wasn't any good anymore, if I was losing or whatever, I'd just take my loss and go home. In other words, it's like uh, I always like to say you got to live, learn to live to fight another day because you're going to have losing days. And if you can't, Quit and go home, go to sleep. Loser, you're gonna have a tough life. Absolutely. Well said. Um, you know, I hearing the stories that you, that you had when it comes to the amount of money that you were betting, Billy. Um, you know, how did you detach yourself psychologically? Because, you know, if you look at it, a lot of people say, you know, back then in the 70s, 80s, you're you're playing games, you're winning 20, 30, 40,000 in a session. These are, you know, multi-year salaries back then. How do you detach yourself with that kind of money and 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 just go about your day like this is the life that I that I'm in and you know the money is just a tool? Well, that's basically what it is when you're in gambling. Your your money is your toolbox, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, and then you have to go out and put it to work in areas that uh, you think will be profitable. Because if you put it in bad places, you're going to have bad results. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an acquired thing that everyone can't do, I think, because there's so many pitfalls. There's just, man, I can't, I can't even begin to think. Back in the day, the, the playing poker games, they got robbed all the time. And, they, I mean, we went through a lot or the cheating. There was cheating in the games. Well, all that's kind of gone out of style now. But back in the day, it was pretty prevalent. And uh, to have survived all that, it really wasn't easy back then. It was uh, very pretty tough for a gambler. Yeah, let, let, you know, let, let, these you know, it's it's amazing how how much the game has changed. Like you said, the cheating and and, and a lot of these things were prevalent, getting raided and all this stuff. Um, I, I just find it fascinating that you were able to just be able to survive all that while so many people fell through the cracks um, and 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 you know, kind of went busto. Um, you know, what do you feel, um, if you just, let's just say, try to pick three traits that any pro gambler needs to be able to succeed in today's environment, what would be the key traits that you would advise somebody to have? Well, you can't overrate yourself for one thing. You got to, you got to know your own abilities and be able to match up, uh, 
in a profitable manner rather than thinking you're the greatest when maybe you aren't at whatever you think you're so great at. So if you overrate yourself and match yourself up, it's just like guys go to golf course. Every day guys go out to the golf course, and when they go off the first tee, they got no chance to win, even though they might be even with the guy they're playing because, you know, the other guys convinced them that these three shots worse than what he is. And, you know, you just, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough world out there to go through all those things. You have to have a, it's a experience that you have to gain that experience through trial and error. And, uh, Sometimes you make mistakes, sometimes you don't. Somehow or another, I just picked it up along the way and was pretty good at matching up. I think the pool room, I started off in the pool room. I think the things I learned there were uh, uh, extremely helpful all my life. I mean, I got best friends that dumped me. I got every, I had everything done to me you could have done. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I learned a lot of lessons very early in life. So let's go back to that. When you say best friends that dumped you, these are, you know, were you hustling pool? Like at what age? When did, how did that so prime you to be? 15, 16 years old and all. And I was a pretty good player around my hometown and uh, kind of got known that I got, was beating most everybody and got a whole little money. So they like, they mark the, the good players. They have a mark on the map in every city. They know exactly who's there when they come through there and what they'll play for and all. And I was kind of a target. So I got to play all the best players and got hustled by all the best players. And uh, so I learned uh, a lot of lessons through that pool room. I really did. Uh, that I don't think you can just learn through everyday life. And, and, you know, you were hustled and you also hustled. Did you hustle? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I did. I, did. I mean, you ha- it was like they were trying to get me and I was trying to get them. And sometimes they got me and sometimes I got them. And it's just, just the way it was. But I got better and better at everything. And I, I attribute a lot of that pool room experience to being able to manage. And other. now I don't play. I quit playing pool when I was in my early 20s. Because I found out there just wasn't any money in the pool. But uh, those lessons I learned, they were very valuable. Now, you just said can't overrate yourself. Well, that was a lesson at the pool room. Like, you know, when you sit down, you play cards with somebody or, or, or you're doing something. Or How do you know? How soon does it, would you think, given your experience, would it take to know that you have the best of it against somebody? Well, I mean, I put it this way. I know the games that I play and I know how I play. And I don't, uh, now that I'm 81 years old, I know I don't play as well as I did when I was younger, but I still know what, just about where I'm at. And, you know, I, I got certain games. I play most anybody in the world. And, uh, there's not a lot of them that'll beat me at them, but, uh, you know, the young guys are really tough and I also, you have to pick your spots and I'm pretty good at doing that still. 
Yeah, it's um, is is there a lot of pride in it? Like, where you you know, where where you know, because I think you, you got to check your pride at the door. Where you when you say to not overrate yourself, to say you know what, this guy, you know, given my my situation right now, where I'm at, these guys might be you know better or, or, or more adept at the game, and sometimes it's just probably best for me not to not to just to walk away. Um, ha- has that ever been a case um, for you at this point, or? Well, I pick and choose where I play now. In other words, uh, you know, I'm playing some poker now still, and I'm playing a good game. And the guys, a lot of them are younger, and a lot of them are good players. But we have a few bad players in the game too. So uh, I figure out a way to chop out a profit. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it, Billy. That's just so great. It's so great. Oh man, this is so good. So you know. Um, Poker, sports betting, all these things have come, you know, a lot of guys, you know, um, given the TV and the publicity and how sports betting has propagated throughout all the whole nation. A lot of people say, hey, listen, I want to be a pro gambler. I want to be able to quit my job or leave school or do whatever. Um, What would you say to that guy? What would you say to that person saying, hey, listen, I'm going to enter a life of gambling for a living? Um, would you say yes? Would you say no? Would you say yes if and only if this? Or what, what advice would you give? I would tell anybody, find another job. It's like a very tough life, uh, even if you're good at it. And uh, it's not an easy life. And uh, there's a lot of easier ways probably to make a living. But, you know, it just so happened that I was pretty good at what I did. And it worked out for me, but like I never encouraged my son or anything to go into gambling and all and always want him to do something else. And just because I know it wasn't easy. I mean, you know, it was a, a tough road. Would you say it's easier today or was it easier back when you were coming up? Uh, I don't know. It was probably about the same, really. In other words, if you're good, you're good, no matter what age you're. And, uh, but the thing is being good is not always good enough The the elements that come in, like people, they make money, but then they go crazy. They, they, a casino junkie or whatever they are. I mean, you can't over, can't overcome those kind of things, no matter who you are. And finally, when you lose your money at other things and your bankroll is short, when you come back to do what you're good at sooner or later, it catches up to you where. Now, all of a sudden, you can't even win at the game you were winning at. Mm. It's like, uh, you know, it's just uh, it just drops down. You get your level of play just goes down because you took so many beatings along the way. How, how you know, th- that's such an interesting thing because how prevalent do you th- or how, how often have you seen it in your in your career that guys that were good at one thing didn't stick to that thing and instead they fell into those traps how often did that happen about 95 percent of the time wow. I mean, it's like it's just well you can look around there's so many people look around at all the people that got a hold of giant money i mean the archies 40 million dollars dead broke uh, I probably shouldn't call the names, but uh, there, there was just a lot of them. They uh, made big money in different things, and they all got broke because of wanting to play in the casino or whatever their fault might have been. It's just uh, it's not easy to keep money just because you get some. 
Yeah, some people, it's easier to make the money than to actually keep the money because guys just can't control themselves and, and they just have to, they, they have to binge. Um, man, 95%, it's amazing because I've seen myself, Billy, that so many guys are so smart and they were able to, um, to be able to make it in the sports betting realm but they just couldn't control their bet sizes and their stakes or they just, they just, you know, if they, if they were able to get plus one Oh five on a coin toss, they'd go all in on just that whole one coin toss. And you know what I mean? They just, they couldn't know just cause you have the best of it. Doesn't mean that you can't go broke. Um, it's, 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 you know, managing, would you say Billy that managing risk is, is, is just as important or more important than, um, than maximizing a return. I, I think so. I think that uh, minimizing your risk and all and managing your risk is more important because no matter how good you are, everybody has that streak where you can't win a game. And if you think you can just bet your way through it, you'll find that one day it's just not going to work out. You When you finally just take a stand or I'm going to bet, you bet 10 games and guess what happened? You lose all 10 of them. I mean, and they just wash you out because you put yourself in a position to get washed out. So you can't do that. You got to, you got to bet according to what your bankroll is and where if you do lose them all, you're still in business. Yeah. What a, I, I love, I love it. I, 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 you know, I'm, you know, I, I always felt this and it's so great to be able to hear you kind of um, um, say the same thing where it's not about um, making the most money possible on a given day it's be able to make enough and not lose and not lose more so that you could, you'll still be able to fight the next day to be able to still be in action the following day. And right. I think that anybody listening out there that's, you know, that's trying to understand that it's not about maximizing your EV or maximizing your turn, you know, take it from Billy Baxter, who's been through everything. It's about minimizing your risk and to be able to know that you have enough to fight the next day, because this gambling thing, it runs in streaks a lot of times and a lot and far often, more often than not, you will, um, you know, you're going to catch that bad streak. And I think that, you know, it's so important to be able to survive those bad streaks where many pro gamblers, you know, quote unquote, pro gamblers can't survive that. I think it's just so important to stress that, to stress that. So Billy, you know, what, what, you know, it's two that you're, you said you're 81 years old earlier. My God, you, you know, you've, um, you know, and you're still going strong. You're still gambling. Um, is there ever a time in which you're going to just say, listen, I'm done gambling. I'm just going to enjoy retirement and, uh, you know, go play golf. I don't know. Or, or you still just love it. It's not even about the money anymore. You just love playing. And this is how you get your enjoyment. You know, I'll tell you the truth. I think that my experience of watching people that were, that did make a good living and, and got a hold of a lot of money. I heard a lot of different ones say, Oh, I can't wait. I can just, I'm ready to retire, sit on the front porch. All them guys died within about two years. <laughs> I mean, so I, I have a different theory. I'm going to try to play as hard as I can, as long as I can. And the uh, last thing I want to do is quit gambling. I'm like, uh, I enjoy it. It's what I like to do. It's what I'm good at. And uh, so why? I mean, I enjoy it every day. I like the challenge of getting up, trying to, whether it's beat somebody at cards or beat somebody on golf bed or, Whatever it is, I'm I'm up for it. 
Would you ever, Billy, because, you know, a lot of people, like, I'm sure they would love it. Would you ever consider doing like a mentorship or maybe if somebody came and says, hey, listen, Billy, can I spend an hour or two hours with you? And can you kind of give me advice or maybe can I ask you certain questions on certain hands in this game of poker or something? Did you, would you ever consider doing something like that to kind of, you know, because your knowledge, just for somebody sitting for an, a couple of hours with you, they could learn so much by you kind of mentoring them um did you ever think about kind of giving back to that or you want to kind of keep all the secrets close to your vest well you know it's not that i want to not help people but the thing is is it's like uh it's a lot of work to do all that to do it right and it's like i'm not looking for another job gotcha. it's just uh you know it's just i i talk to people all the time about different things and i do that you know i try to help people if i can and uh but as far as looking at it is this is oh i'm gonna start that's gonna be my new thing uh i'd rather i'd rather go play i like to go play myself <laughs> perfect these are you, you're not you're not this is that's a retirement uh strategy to that's a retirement help. for me i'm ready to i'm ready for the frying pan still so so billy you know when you in the in today's poker environment guys are playing you know there's 16 17 18 hours um you know, can you cope with these amount of hours and sit at a table for that long, you know, at your age or, or, or is that, something that's my, that's my main problem. That's really not, I don't play hardly any, uh, no, any, uh, tournaments anymore. Cause the hours are just so long. Although I am going to play the main event of the world series this year, but, uh, I play in a game right now. I'm playing in a game. It's a big game. And I generally play 10, which is pretty long for me. I try to play 10 hours. And then I quit, which that's too long because I, I actually see myself falling off after about seven hours. But I like to play. So, I mean, I give them a good solid 10 hours and then I, I tell them before I start what time I'm quitting. And because uh, these young guys, they want to keep playing. They don't they don't get it that you're tired, you know, <laughs> yeah. I understand that. but I do get tired. So I just uh, I can only push myself so far. I heard stories when you were when you were the owner of the Dunes would want to play with you, and and I've heard you on other on other podcasts. Anybody also, if if you know to hear more about Billy's uh, life story, listen to Gambling with an Edge. He was on Gambling with an Edge two episodes there with Bob Dancer, Richard Munchkin. That's if you really want to get into history. I kind of didn't want to repeat a lot of that stuff, but that if you want to ever listen to how Billy came up and and a lot of the great stories, th th those are some great podcasts to listen to. But Billy, I remember you 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 had a thing where you were playing against a, a, the owner of the Dunes back then. And he, you know, he he would go and do about his business, and he would not want to play with you unless you were still sitting at the poker table there waiting for him. So sometimes you would sit there for days at a time. Many times, that was three days. I said his name was Major Riddle. He was the owner of the Dunes. Yeah. And his pet peeve, he would have board meetings at banks and different things. He'd leave you sitting at the table for 12, 15 hours. If you weren't there when he got back, he, he wouldn't want to play with you anymore. I learned a long time ago. I would never leave. I'd get uh, cold towels and put on my neck, whatever, just sit there. <laughs> like, uh, I'd wait for three days if it was necessary. So uh, <laughs> That's great. I did that, that many, many times. So you've put in your time. If anybody that, that, that says, Billy, 10 hours, that's not enough. You tell them, listen, I've sat there for three days sometimes waiting, not even playing, waiting I for a I didn't want to get up either. And I didn't want to get up. I'd wait a week, I think, <laughs> as long as I knew he was coming back. 
that's man it's uh, it's incredible and that was uh you know if the game is that good you never want to leave right billy it's, it's it's the same way right well it's, it was probably one of the biggest poker games there was we were playing 500 dollar any thousand and two blinds no limit deuce that means no cap everybody had a lot of money on the table back in the 70s oh my and god for this for dessert we had the other owner uh, Sid Wyman was the other owner there. He was about 70. And then for dessert, we had Jimmy Chagra, who came to town. He was maybe the biggest drug dealer in the United States at the time. And uh, he had millions to give away, and he did. And so there was never was a poker game like that one. So if you ever went home, you were just stupid. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> That's great. Man. So, Billy, in closing, the name of this podcast is called Be Better Better. You gave so many, so many great, so much great advice, so many tips, and I kind of don't want to dwindle all to just one thing. But if there was just one piece of advice, one thing that you could give to aspiring sports betters today, one bit of advice to close it all off, to wrap it all off, uh, wrap it all up, what would it be? Well, number one, it's not luck. You, you know, either you're good at what you're doing or you're not. In other words, you got to put in a lot of work, a lot of hours. And But the main thing, I think, is the uh, bankroll management. You're going to have good days, bad days. And if you're working on 2 3%, the best of it, that's that's good. And uh, so you've, you've got to manage your money. And it's a business. And that's your, your bankroll is your uh, inventory, so to speak. And if you don't take care of that, then you're not going to have a business. So if you can't take care of your money, then it's, no, it's just a waste of time to try to get good at something. Well said. Bankroll management is key. Given your bookmaking career, I want to also just follow up with one last question. There's so many bookmakers out there today, like we said before, scared of, of taking on customers or whatever. And I know the customers are a lot smaller than they were. But what advice would you give aspiring bookmakers today that are that are chasing all these customers that are scared to book a bet? What would you say to them um, to try to be better bookmakers? Well, I would I would tell them this. They don't know what kind of gold mine they're sitting on. They've proven that to me through the years. It's like they try to hire some guy for $800 a week and he's scared to death. He's going to lose his job if he don't take a winner up to the, to the brass upstairs. So he's not going to want to take bets because he's uh, don't want to lose his job and all. So you need to, you need somebody running these businesses that knows what they're doing. Now you can't hire a guy for that kind of money that knows what he's doing and knows how to run a bookmaking business. And they want to save every dollar they can. And that's why they're, they haven't been more successful. They were so stupid to let just gambling go all over the world. The government was the one that was stupid. They let gambling go all over the United States. They should have been the bookmaker. They should have, the United States government should be open, taking all the bets. Every doctor, lawyer, Indian chief would happily send their money to the government because now you know you're going to get paid. You're not going to get in trouble, whatever. They let it all get out of hand, which was stupid. We, we, this tax said you wouldn't have no tax problems if the government was doing all the booking. They'd be making billions and billions of dollars. But now it's all too late. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's, it is what it is. I, I, I could talk forever about that subject. But uh, I, 
I think they handled it all very, very badly. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to talent, a lack of talent. You know, they're paying some of these guys to run their book 800 a week, a dime a week, and you ain't going to get talent for that kind of money. Um, and I think the lack of talent in the bookmaking field, I think is definitely, it's there. So I think that if they, they tried to seek out guys that are talented bookmakers, because listen, bookmaking is a talent. It is not, you can't, like you said, Billy, you can't just be on a golf course and think that you're just going to make money and just have a, a clone line there all the time. If you want to book and if you want to book everybody and take on all customers, you got to be there active and be, uh, be it, you know, work on that craft. It's definitely an acquired skill. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said, that um, it, it's, it doesn't come at 800 a week. So any bookmakers out there, you want to be better bookmakers, hire the right talent, guys that have been doing this for a long time that know how to manage uh, a sports book correctly. Billy, thank you so much for coming on. It really means the world to me. I know you're a busy man and, and I, you know, I, you've been, you've done so much in the business and so much in all of gambling. Um, and I, I really thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on Be Better Betters. It's, you know, I've always, from afar, I've always admired you, especially your, the boxing. We didn't even get to touch, touch on the boxing, on how, you know, your boxing and your halftimes, um, maybe we can do that, if you don't mind. If we could just, I could just edit it in. Billy, you're notorious for being one of the best halftime betters and one of the best boxing betters in the world. Um, how did you acquire that? How did you get good at doing that? You know, how I got into boxing business is I was go down to the gyms scouting, so to speak. I'd go down like, let's say Hagler or whoever was in town training for a big fight. I'd go down and watch them work out. And then I'd see that, you know, I, I always felt like I had a good eye for who could, who could beat who. And I proved it to myself later on when I got in the boxing business. And the reason I did, because I saw all the people that were in it and didn't know them seem too smart to me. So I, that's how I got Roger Mayweather, my first fighter, became world champion. Had Bruce Curry, world champion. I had Vernon Forrest, world champion. So I had all top caliber type fighters. You know, Vernon Forrest beat Shane Mosley twice. And, um, Cause Roger fought Chavez two different times, but I uh, got in it strictly because I wanted to bet. And then I got in it and then I had a lot of fun with it while I was in it, but it was a uh, taxing business. It was like very, uh, oh, it was just a, a, a lot of work and all. And I finally quit it, but the, uh, the, the, but that was my way of, of getting in. It was, I just was down there trying to figure out who to bet on. In, wow. in the boxing. I love it. How about the half times? You know, I remember Billy, you know, you, you know, in the advent of the half times, um, you know, people, I remember always hearing the buzz Baxter just bet this team at the half. How did you get so good at betting half times? And do you still today bet half times <laughs> or do any live betting? Because that's, that's something that, that you've always been notorious for. Well, you know, I have a, I have, some, I believe in my half times. I think that I watch the games and that's how I do it. I do my eyes. I don't have no computer, no nothing. I got, I'm old school pencil and paper. And what I see is what I've tried to bet on. You are the best in the game. Thank you so much. Uh, for coming on be better betters it's such an honor and um next time I'll, i'm in i'm in vegas I'll, i'd love to be able to grab a meal and um and chat a little more 
All right. Thanks. Thank Enjoy. You. Thanks okay. so much for the time. Until right. next time.